Well, good morning. Uh, let's, that sounds very loud, even to me, who's half deaf. How's that better? That, yep, okay. All right, well, my name's Al, if I haven't met you yet. Um, great to be with you this morning. So let's get started. Uh, yes. This is a T-shirt that I saw for sale. I didn't buy the T-shirt, but I noticed it at Paddy's Market a while ago. Uh, if you can see it, all right, here we go. Jesus is coming, look busy. Uh, now, I know they're making fun of us if you're, if you're a Christian, etc., but it's the idea that, well, look, if Jesus came back, what you should be doing is work, 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 and, and be flat out all the time. In fact, I guess I thought until I was about the age of 20, partly you know, different experiences that I'd had, etc., that if you really did follow Jesus, you'd end up looking like this, that Jesus would just suck the joy out of life. Now, I realise now that's not true, but that's what I thought. But if you, even when we do drill down, following Jesus is going to really cost you. It is. Let's look at Jesus' own words. Here we go in Mark chapter 8. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. We'll come back to verse 35. But the deny yourself words actually like say no, no to yourself. When, uh, when Peter denies that he knows Jesus, it's the same word. Uh, Peter says, no, don't know him. Jesus is saying to follow him means saying no to self, to your own agendas. Uh, count your own life as over and follow him. And if you follow Jesus, it will affect your relationships, your finances, your life goals, etc. So as I watch and as I talk to people, do you know what stops a lot of people from following Jesus? It's not, is the gospel message true or false? It's surprising how rarely that comes up. What stops people is the fear of missing out. I think, well, not everyone, but so many people, the fear of missing out. That is, if I followed Jesus, life wouldn't be as much fun. I'd miss out on fun. Or I wouldn't be able to pursue this thing or that thing. Or if I followed Jesus, I'd, I'd miss out. That, that's what stops so many people. So let's have a look at a story that Jesus told, a parable about that. Uh, and, and let's have a think about why would you follow him or why would you not follow him and I guess it's worth thinking about why is it that some people say yeah, yeah I follow him but they um they're phoning it in rather than really turning up does that make sense that's an expression my son used I say phoning it in does that make sense okay I'm going to ask again and if more than three people nod I'll keep going otherwise does that make sense oh lots of you nodded good work okay all right so you need to have a look at Matthew chapter 25 to, to put it into context uh, Jesus is in Jerusalem. It's not long before he'll be crucified. He's speaking to his disciples and he's speaking particularly about his return. So um, in Matthew chapter 24, in the middle of the chapter, he says, So you also must be ready because the Son of Man, which is his way of talking about himself, the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And then in the beginning of chapter 25, he tells three kind of great stories about his return. So he tells the story, right, so it begins, chapter 25, verse 1, at that time, in other words, his return, the kingdom of heaven will be like, and then he tells the story of uh, the ten bridesmaids, five of them who were ready, 
when the bridegroom arrives and five who are not. And then he tells the story about the ten talents or bags of gold. I'll come to that in a moment. And then he tells the story about the sheep and the goats and the, the great division that will happen. All right. So let's have a look at that middle parable, the, um, the parable of the, well, the NIV, the New International Version, calls it the bags of gold. Here we go. Um, 25 verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Notice, actually, the master owns the wealth, entrusts it to his servants. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, uh, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now, in the original language, the word is talent. Okay. Um, a talent was originally a weight, like a, a weight of precious metal, gold or silver. And depending on which of the scholars you look at, it's between 26 or 36 kilos. So, a bag of gold. Um, eventually, it evolved into being a weight in coinage. It was, at the time of Jesus, it was 6,000 denarii, meaning it, uh, a coin, a denarius was a day's pay for a labourer. So, it was 6,000 days' pay. If you do a quick calculation, that's about 20 years' work. Let's say pick a salary of $50,000, it's a million dollars a talent. Um, You can adjust it for your salary if you want, okay? Uh, Now, you see, you notice it's a lot that the master gives. So $5 million, $2 million, $1 million. Uh, I think the reason the NIV's gone for bag of gold is because talent has now drifted into the English language, meaning, you know, whether you can sing or tap dance or whatever, in a talent quest. So they've gone for bag of gold. Anyway, we're right. So, what are the what is the? I'm probably just going to say talents. Okay, it's too hard. To, anyway, what do the talents or bags of gold stand for? It could be. Oh, he gives them. Jesus is obviously the master. Yeah. So he, it could be. Oh, he gives them the gospel message, but I don't think that's what it is. Why? Because they get different amounts. Everyone gets the same gospel message. Trust Jesus. Be forgiven, etc. So, what's the difference? I think it stands for the opportunity to serve him. The gifts, the opportunities, the obligations. And people get different amounts. Some people get more gifts than others, more opportunities, etc. I'll come back to that. So it's the opportunity to serve Jesus. All right, verse 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. 18. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. All right. Now the real action starts. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold bought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Um, You notice Jesus just assumes in all these parables there'll be a judgment day. Everyone, Christian, not Christian, believer, unbeliever, everyone's going to front up before Jesus the judge and give an account. And here he says, well done, good and faithful servant. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's what you want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. What has he done? He's used the opportunity Jesus gave him to serve, to serve his master. 
with what belonged to his master in the first place. And you notice what he says, come and share your master's happiness. Uh, the word literally is joy in the original. Come and share your master's joy. And then the second guy turns up. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Interesting, the master is just as happy with the guy who made two as he was with the guy who made five. What's the point? It's not the total result. It's that they both had a go. They both got busy. They went and did it. Okay, now it's worth thinking about. What is the reward for serving the master? Um, notice he says, you've been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share the joy. So here's the um, a kind of the irony or the beautiful irony. That is, the reward for serving Jesus is that you get to serve him more. You think, oh, is that? Yeah. Uh, in, the, in a parable in Luke's gospel, uh, which is very similar to this one, we're told, he says to the servants, well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, sir, your minor, an amount of money, has earned five more. The master answered, you take charge of five cities. The reward for serving Jesus is that you'll get to serve him more. Why? It's because in serving him, you actually find life. In serving him, you'll actually find life. You notice I, I talked to you about Mark's gospel, remember, about deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Have a look at what Jesus says immediately after this. And this is, until you really think about it, this seems counterintuitive, but it's true. Notice what he says in the next, very next verse. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And then he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Now that's counterintuitive, isn't it? What are you saying? You hold on to your life, right? It's all mine, the precious, right? It's mine. Actually, my kids tell me I look like him in the morning. Um, <laughs> it's a bit cruel. Not saying it's not true, I said it's a bit cruel. Okay, so you hold on to your life, oh, the precious, right? You hold on to that, your life shrinks. You give your life away, right? In the service of others, your life will grow. Now, that's true in this world at just a simple relational level. Like, there's. Um, uh, a man I know who was having some trouble, an older man having trouble with his family and kind of relating with them. And uh, he was a grandfather, and I, I know his family as well. And he had trouble getting on with his daughter and his grandkids. And I said, um, your, your grandson's eight years old. Uh -huh. I said, well, look, he, he's a great little cricketer. Why don't you go and watch him play cricket on a Saturday morning? And this man said, what, eight-year-old cricket? The standard would be hopeless. Why would you go and watch that? Um, he's pretty much alone, that man now. Uh, why? Because he just doesn't understand, doesn't understand how relationships work. Why would you go and watch an eight-year-old play cricket? Because what's Jesus saying? You hold on to your life as your own, and it applies spiritually, right? You hold on to your own life as your own, and it's all for me, you'll lose it eternally. 
You give your life off to him, and so it'll be, you give, as you give your life to him and in the service of others, you'll actually find life. You'll find life. Now, do you believe that? Do you believe it? I'll tell you how you know. You can look inside and check your feelings and all that kind of thing and think, oh, no, no don't do that. Have a look at what you do. Have a look at what you do. Have a look at your calendar. You, you know, your diary and your computer and where you spend your time. Have a look at where your money goes. Have a look at where your energy goes. That, that, you'll see who you serve. All right. Now, uh, as always, there's a sting in the tail when Jesus tells a story. And you can spell tail two different ways. I can never remember which way it is. I'm just saying there's two ways you can spell it. You know what I mean. Have a look at what he says next. Um, okay, so you've got the... Uh, Five-bag guy comes, gets a pat on the back, well done, come to the master's happiness. Two-bag guy comes, master's happiness. Ah. Verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. So he um, sat on his talent. Now, why? Why? Here's what you see what he says. I was afraid. I was afraid. What was he afraid of? Here's the FOMO part. He says, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your... What's he saying? I was afraid that I would... Do... Basically, what you do... His opinion of the master is, you come, other people have sown the crops, done all the work, you come and harvest it and take it. So you take the result of other people's hard work. Basically, he's saying, I think you're mean and stingy. And you take from people rather than give. And so I thought I'd, if I worked for you, I thought, what? I was afraid I'd miss out. I was afraid I'd miss out. FOMO. And that's what stops so many people from following Jesus, or that's what makes many people phone it in. Now, Jesus' reaction, or the master's reaction, seems a little over the top, doesn't it? So he says, uh, his master replied, verse 26, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gathered where I've not scattered seed. I think it's meant to be read ironically. Well then... You should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Now, what, what's he saying? You haven't even done the minimum. This isn't like, oh, you got 49%. You're so, you just failed. No. When Jesus tells a parable, he uses a broad brush. Like, he wants to make the point in the rich man and Lazarus. He says, oh, well, the rich man came out each day and he stepped over the poor man as the dogs licked his sores and he even knew his name and did nothing. Uh, or um, in the one about forgiveness, one servant's forgiven billions of dollars by the master and then he won't forgive a few dollars for, for someone else. So Jesus you know, makes the point in, in a broad brush. So what's this guy? He's done nothing. And you see what the master says, you wicked, lazy... Well, now, lazy, uh, okay. Anyone here a Cantonese speaker? I grew up... At, Jeremy, I grew up in a family where the mother, right, Kathy, my, my wife, right, 
would drill into our kids, you must not be a lun chung, lazy worm, right? And uh, so, yeah, that's it. There are, Kathy Stewart's a machine, uh, but anyway, so you, no lun chungs in our family, I guarantee that. Uh, See, so, okay, lazy, yes, but wicked, wicked? Yeah, I'll tell you why. The master's really insulted. Why? Because basically the guy who sat on his talent has called him um, grasping, greedy, stingy, not generous at all. And it's a direct insult when you see how generous he actually is. And so the master's angry with him and says what? Well, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance and whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, whoever has, sorry, whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. What does that mean? I don't think it's an economic thing. I think it means if you won't follow Jesus even the opportunity will be taken from you. I think that's what it means. Now, what, what's he saying? It's not that you've got to earn your way into God's good books or you earn your way to heaven by being good. Not, not at all. The Bible's very clear. If, you, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, the Bible's very clear. You're forgiven because you trust Jesus. It's a free gift. Right? Free and complete. Trust him. He died for you and you're forgiven. But that faith or trust has got to be real. Right? And faith or trust will show itself in a Christian, someone who has Jesus as Lord or Master. So to say, well, actually, oh, yeah, Jesus is my Lord or Master, but I don't actually serve him, I don't do what he says, that's not faith at all. Right? That's what Jesus is warning about. Okay, there's the parable. So let's have a, let's have a think. Um, one day, all of us will appear before Jesus... If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're not, it's not going to go well, I'm sorry. Okay, so you can get the message. But to appear before Jesus, we want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. So how does that work? Well, with the gifts you've got, the opportunities you've got, the obligations you've got, have we served him? Have we had a go? Now, the amount of giftedness is not ultimately up to us, the ultimate ultimate results I guess of what we've done aren't ultimately up to us but why do we serve him well let me be crystal clear we serve Jesus if you're a Christian you serve Jesus because he's your Lord and is that a big deal well not really you imagine tomorrow morning you go to work and you walk in the office and your boss sees you across the office and he or she jumps up runs across the office and hugs you and says oh thank you for coming to work Actually, post-COVID, you might get that. I don't know. <laughs> you turned up at the office, but you know what I mean. Uh, and he or she's not going to do that. Why? Well, it's your job. You turned up. Big deal. We serve Jesus. Jesus tells a parable about this in Luke 17. I won't read it all. But basically, okay, you're a Christian. Jesus is your Lord. You served him. Big deal. Don't pat yourself on the back. But here's the thing. We serve a Lord who is generous and will reward us. That's the point. I wonder if that sunk in. I'm surprised how rarely I hear Christians talk about Jesus and rewards because Jesus talks about it all the time. Really. Um, and when Jesus does things for people, it's like you read the Gospels, 
it's over the top what he does. So they run out of wine at a wedding. Jesus makes 800 bottles of it. Right? And they're already kind of on the edge with a little too much to drink. So Jesus, and Jesus makes 800 bottles of the best wine. He borrows a fishing boat for a little while to give a sermon. And then he says, oh, by the way, boys, throw your nets over this other side. And they do that. And there's so many fish that the nets start to break as they drag the fish to shore. Or you've got a you know, crowd of 5,000 people, so he feeds them with a few loaves of bread and there's 12 basketfuls left over. So what are the rewards that Jesus talks about? Well, he talks about it all the time. Uh, let me show you at the end of the... You know the story about the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and then isn't prepared to give up anything to follow him and Jesus promises his disciples this in Mark chapter 10. He says, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel, yes, following Jesus will cost. Why? Because you're serving others. Sometimes people will reject you. It will cost. But see, he says, we'll fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. And I've seen that come true in my life and other people's lives again and again and again. Is it true? There's only one way for you personally to know if it's true. Bet you can work out what it means. All right? There's only one way. You've got to actually do it. Or um, uh, have a look at this other one. This is often so often read as negative. Like once you start looking for rewards in the New Testament, they're everywhere. Okay, here we go. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy. Okay, you read it. You know, verse 19, don't fall in love with stuff, okay? Your car's just a car, clothes are just clothes, all, yeah, right, yeah. But you know it's verse 20? He says, store up for yourselves what? Treasures in heaven. What's valuable in the next world that will last forever? Good stuff waiting for you. Or in this world, um, Matthew chapter 6, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen and then your Father who sees what he's done in secret, what will reward you? He will hear your prayers. Or Luke chapter 6, blessed are you when people hate you and exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. The promise of you stand firm when it costs, great reward. Or in terms of the workplace, um, New Testament talks about slaves and masters, not an exact parallel, but still the idea of working for someone, yeah. He says in Ephesians, uh, Paul says in Ephesians 6, 7, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever they do whether they are slave or free. Um, or um, generosity on the, uh, you know, to people. Uh, he says, but when you give a banquet, invite the, uh, Luke 14, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, how does it work there? The reward Jesus gives is not going to be uh, in the next life, etc., um, a bigger car or, well, it could be, he doesn't promise that, a bigger car or a top floor penthouse or a corner office or, or whatever. It's actually built into the, what you're doing. And that is, 
you prayerfully, deliberately follow the Lord Jesus, walk with the Spirit of God as the Spirit of God leads you and drags you in certain directions. You do that. You trust him in how you live. You know what the reward is? You will become like him. You will become like him. And you know, the, I, perhaps the greatest reward, I think, the reward the New Testament talks about for being involved in, in gospel work, I don't just mean being a paid pastor or whatever, I mean in, in terms of people hearing about Jesus and following him, being involved in that, the great reward is this, that you'll see them there on the last day. So the Apostle Paul says to the Thessalonians, who he, he loves and cared for, um, he planted a church in this town, Thessalonica, um, he says this as he writes to them, he says, For what is our hope, our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Paul got to write, what, half the New Testament? Uh, travel all over, be etc. But he said, no, no, the great thing, you've become believers and I had a part of that and you'll be there on the last day and how good will that be? All right, just a couple of threads to pull together. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom. You want to serve him? You want to know the, you know, the, the goal? Seek first his, the lordship of Jesus. If people come to know him as Lord and have eternal life and the promise, even the parable right, um, that he said about uh, at that time the kingdom of heaven will be like, this parable that we've looked at. So how are you going to serve him? If you're a Christian person, how are you going to do that? How do, you, how do you think about that? I'll tell you what, I've found a lot of work with, in the city with, with business people who are really high achievers. You meet Christian business people who operate at this kind of level intellectually in their jobs, but they haven't ever actually applied that kind of brain power and energy to their Christian faith. Right. So how do you really, if you think about how? Well, here's one way to think about it, this. The local church is a centrepiece of what God is doing in our world. This is a big picture summarised very quickly, but the local church is, is the, if you like, it's, yeah, it's the centrepiece of what God is doing. Now, the kingdom of God is bigger than that. It's bigger than just a local church. So you've got to have a bigger vision. And the local church is the centrepiece. And what are we on about? Well, people coming to know and coming into his kingdom. So given gifts opportunities and obligations. Let me, let me take you through those really quickly. Gifts, opportunities and obligations. Um, now, all, all of this self-care, boundaries, all of those things, all right, so, yep, okay, but gifts. God, you, you heard me, all right, you've got to look after yourself, um, have right boundaries, me time, or, good, right, now let me get on with it. Um, gifts. God promises through his spirit that he will give every, every Christian person gifts or, or abilities so they can serve other people. All right? There's four lists in the New Testament, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, yep, but I don't think they're exhaustive. There's, there's so many different kinds of gifts and abilities. And you know what? It's easy to see the gifts you haven't got. Right? I know when I, I watch... Matt or Emily here lead the singing with the guitar. I think, oh man, I wish I could do that. But I'm half deaf. I can't sing in tune. And to sing and clap at the same time, when I, I get the clapping thing right, and then I try and sing, and everyone else in the room's out of time. 
I, anyway, so I'm probably not going to be the music pastor that you want to put on. Uh, yeah. Okay. Now, there's some things I can do, yeah, okay, but I tell you what, I guarantee you've got the two up gifts. Everyone here has got the two up gifts. What are they? Washing up and turning up. Okay. Now you can work out what other gifts you've got as well. All right. Next one. Gifts, yeah, but then it also comes with opportunities. And what do I mean by opportunities? I mean there'll be certain doors particularly or opportunity doors that are open to you, like uh, your cultural or ethnic background. What, what, how does that mean that you can actually help for here serve people or people to hear about Jesus, etc.? Can you speak another language? What, what's your ethnic background? That, you know, how, how can that help? Or um, uh, where are, at a different stage of family life. You may have the freedom of being single, and that opens up a whole lot of doors. Or you may have the opportunities that little kids bring, you know, like uh, meeting other parents at the school gate as your kids run around. There's opportunities in family life. Or it might be finances. You may actually have the money to really be able to lean into doing, doing good. Okay. So gifts, opportunities, and the other one's obligations. Now, this one's worth thinking about. Almost always, obligations are relationships that you need to honour. Okay, now how does that work? Well, the Jesus calls us, if you follow Jesus, there'll be relationships and obligations that come with that. I'll give you an example. Some of you may know Peter Boyce, who's a friend of mine, who uh, up until recently has been involved with Bread of Life, etc. Uh, in 2006, Peter was working in Afghanistan because he's a Christian, he, doing good there and basically he's a mechanic, fix anything, build anything, he's, he's worked in Afghanistan doing that. 2006, he gave up Afghanistan and went and lived on the beach at Coffs Harbour for seven or eight years to serve Jesus. Think, well, that sounds like a pretty good gig, serving Jesus. Uh, yeah, except the reason he did it was that his mum had dementia, Alzheimer's and there was no one else to look after her. Now, that's an obligation that trumps Afghanistan, and that's what he did. And he looked after his mum until she died, and now he's back here in Sydney, and he's been doing all sorts of stuff that only Peter can do. Um, or my wife, Kathy, from about 2010 until 2020, probably the main, one of the main focus in her life, certainly from 2015 to 2020, the main focus in her life was caring for her two parents. Now, she did that uh, as a machine, like she usually is, and just love, etc. And now they've both, uh, they've both died, and she's free. But it may be that you have obligation with elderly parents or with little kids or other relations, etc. And you serve Jesus as you do that. But those obligations close other doors. Now, the best place to start serving Jesus is where you are, of course. Um, uh, some of us might be evangelists. Some of us, well, we can all be inviters. Some of us may have hospitality, etc. Um, uh, to quote Kathy again, she, she doesn't give talks up front very often, but boy, you couldn't believe how many people she feeds. Um, I watched her last night, chicken legs and fried rice. and I, I don't know who's getting it today, but... Wow. Anyway, um, so there's all sorts of different gifts. Uh -huh. And at work, 
Right? You've got to work day by day. How do you serve Jesus there? Well, it's in the way that you work. It's in the way that you treat people. Uh, loyalty to the absent, for one example. Like, you know, you, what's that way? It's another way of saying don't gossip. The boundaries that we draw, Jesus says he will reward us. And as a Christian community, here's the, here's the thing. As a Christian community, how do we love people and help other people to hear the message of Jesus. And kind of the iron in a way is, we've got to work out how do you love people who haven't turned up yet? How do you, it's surprising how few churches will think that way. How do you love people who haven't turned up yet so they can feel welcome and hear the message of Jesus and be um, welcomed into this community? And in fact, I think after I'm finished, Grant's going to have a bit of a talk about some ideas for that. All right. Simple message today, if you're a Christian person, you're a servant of Jesus, why do we serve? Well, that's what servants do, but we have a generous master who will reward us in this life and in the next. And how do you find out if that's true? You've got to step into it. How about we pray? Lord God, we thank you uh, for the gospel message, for the free forgiveness found in trusting Jesus. We ask, please, that you might show us how to serve him and so serve others and so find joy in that service. And we ask this in his name. Amen.